Let's have a sincere conversation about events across the nation and topics for our own morality. Let's openly discuss in an environment of trust where perception is reality. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Perception is Reality. You're coming back. Well, I'm coming back after a two-week break. There's a story behind that, but y'all don't need to worry about that. Um, but it involves me driving a car up to my son in a different state, so he's happily has his wheels. Uh, so good luck with that, Max. On with us today, coming off of our two-week hiatus, is my new friend in the whole world, Helen Flitcroft. She is a success coach, mother of two, and all-around superwoman. Thanks for joining the show, Helen. Oh, it's a pleasure, David. I'm excited to be here. So, if I may, what uh, what's on your mind today? What should we talk about? Mm. So, I came with pretty much zero prep, but then I thought in the last three minutes before we jumped on that I probably should prep something. So, stuff that's been top of mind for me, really, um, I suppose, made themes of my life over the past couple of years is um, something that's really current at the moment is high ticket coaching has gone too far and is it causing more harm than good um, another one is getting through really tough times in your marriage especially as an expat um, and I suppose the general theme uh, since having children is kind of what it's like growing a business with very young children um, especially if you're an expat don't have family support around um, yeah, so there, there's sort of three things that are swimming around top of mind currently. Okay, I wrote all of those down. So if you ever let my audience knows, but if they hear me being silent, I'm either doing one of two things. I'm writing down something so I can talk about it later, or I'm thinking um, about what I want to say. And we embrace the pregnant pause on the show, Helen, because we know that if somebody is taking a pregnant pause, they have absolutely absorbed what is being said and they're really thinking about what to reply. And there mm -hmm. is no harm in a pregnant pause. So if you hear that, I'm sure that you're not worried about it, but I just wanted to warn you, it'll happen. Um, I'm ready. So as an expat, can you just, where are you in the world today? I don't even know. I, I mean, I, I'm, we, yeah. I'm sensing, uh, I mean, obviously your English is perfectly well, but there's a an accent compared to American English. So I'm assuming you're not in America or you might be, but you're not from America originally. No, I'm not in America yet, but the U S does call. Um, so currently I'm sitting in a suburb called Brooklyn's in a town, or I should, I'm supposed to call it a city, actually a city called New Plymouth, which is on the West coast of the North Island of New Zealand. Oh, awesome always wanted to go there. It's one of the countries I haven't been to yet. It's pretty and beautiful in the summertime, but I do find it a little bit cold in the winter, but that's just, that's just me. Mm, yeah, I don't do well in cold. That's why I'm in Houston. Mm. Uh, so, well, welcome to us from, from New Zealand. Um, I'm kind of excited. Like I said, I'm, I'm all giddy because I've wanted to, in fact, there was a, a contest. I don't remember why, but there was some, I remember it was a few years ago, many, maybe more than that, but there was like this contest for this really prestigious job. And I remember applying for it 
and being heartbroken when I didn't get it. It involved a free move for your entire family to New Zealand. Mm. I think it was in uh, maybe Auckland, maybe. Um, but uh, I didn't get it, alas. So here I am in, in uh, Houston. But I do love Houston, by the way. I'm sure I will. Um, yeah, my husband is in oil and gas. So there's a lot of, you know, Houston connections and, and friends from Houston. And um, I have other friends in Houston as well so I would not be surprised to find myself in Houston one day well if you're ever here definitely look me up all right uh, so I I'm excited to talk to you about all of these actually so um, <laughs> coaching gone too far I often I actually often think about that because I see it seems like everybody's a coach of something uh, and I do in corporate culture today, and which I think has bled over almost into society, is the coaching has gone too far, which I don't know that I want to say it has gone too far, but maybe I'm thinking it has as I'm thinking it through because it almost seems like you can't have, maybe I'm confusing issues, but it doesn't seem like you can have a constructive conversation today with somebody uh, about any topic because it's either now that topic is out of bounds or they need to consult with their coach. They don't have an original thought. I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that part of this topic? Oh, you know, I wouldn't really know the, the circles that I, that I move in uh, when I'm not just hold up, I've actually been hold up pretty much in my office for the last year since one of um, another business collapsed last year. So I've been a complete, um, you know, homebody and not really interacting with people much except for clients and colleagues. Um, yeah, so I don't, I don't actually move in circles that aren't, you know, we're, where we're not actually diving into our deepest, most vulnerable stuff. Um, so I wouldn't know. I mean, I'm finding that an, an interesting and unique perspective from you. So that's cool. Hmm. Okay. So, let me give you my perspective then. So what I've seen is there are people that I can have a very in-depth conversation with about many topics where they'll go down the um, proverbial Alice in Wonderland rabbit hole with me. Uh, and, you know, we could talk about anything. And there's some people I think that are just so hesitant and they lack confidence which has probably brought them to a coach and I'm not saying that they're like oh David I need to stop and talk to a coach but they do table it and then often later I find out that they've spoken to their coach or mentor which is great I'm encouraging that because I myself do coaching and mentoring um, a little bit here and there when somebody needs me I, I'm, I'm of the principle Helen uh, when the student is ready, ready the teacher reveals themselves Mm -hmm. uh, so when somebody needs my help, I just offer my help, um, whatever little or as much as they want or as I can provide, you know, I can't help everybody. Um, but I, I, you know, I do enjoy helping people. Um, so I'm just wondering, have we as a Western society, are we starting to lose our edge or our confidence? I, I guess when I'm talking about um, no, I wouldn't say we've, we're losing our edge at all, or, or at least the, my experience um, of coaching. What am I trying to say? When, I, when I'm saying that maybe coaching has gone too far, I guess what I mean is 
it's online coaching um, and a particular model of online coaching that seems to be prevalent. Um, I think I think that opening up the coaching conversation to be a part of everyday life is an extremely exciting prospect, you know, and that's kind of the that's kind of the world that I live in at the moment is how, how can we how can we um, make things more transparent? How can we um, not have these conversations that have to happen, you know, just one on one with a coach or um, in private, you know, behind closed doors? Uh, why can't we be more um, more honest with each other, you know, around what our struggles are and what it is actually like to to progress with whatever our endeavours are? So, um, you know, I haven't I haven't experienced what you're what you're talking about or you're speaking to. Um, what I'm seeing, I think, is is particularly exciting. And, and workplaces, maybe it's the difference between the US and New Zealand, but workplaces embracing, you know, at least the thought of well, what what could that be like if we were to actually you know open up a little bit and start um, start investing in a in a work I don't know if that answers the question no, that that does and, and I I, do, I will say that across the board I will say in the in the states that that portion of it is very much alive and well that we're investing a lot of time and energy in our staff to better themselves and if they're better then you know we're all better which i i do believe that but what i'm what i've seen is that it's it's gone too far where people have they're not processing original thoughts it's it's mm. maybe it's the way that they're being coached and they're i don't know but it's i feel like it's it's gone too far where they're dependent on a coach instead of going like you, you know you go to a coach with some hard issues right like okay I've got this yeah. issue talk through it struggle and like you said I, first of all I want to say that I'll come back to this um, so don't let me forget but I want to talk about why we don't discuss our troubles or our, our what we're working through I, I have a theory on that okay. um, but in general I do agree that we are investing a lot of time and effort in in our staff and getting uh, them to improve themselves. But at the same token, I see a complete lack of open conversation. I mean, basically what I'm saying in the States here is that if you don't talk about work and work only, anything, any other topic you bring up could be um, misconstrued and cause a uh, human resource nightmare. Uh, somebody's going to take offense to something uh, that you might not, you know, somebody, a differing of opinion equals I've offended somebody in the United States. Mm. That's what I'm saying. That's okay. what I'm saying. Maybe I'm associating that too much, but I do see it in the workplace quite a bit is that's just work. You know, if you're talking about a coaching event, it's like, how do I remove this roadblock? Well, not ostracizing the person that I need help from while I'm escalating kind of thing. But there's no real, I know that's pretty much it. It's pretty limited, but. You did touch on something which I think, I think is rampant as, um, you know, you were talking about people not really thinking for themselves. Um, and I guess it does, it does touch on that online coaching 
aspect, um, you know, what I'm, what I'm seeing, and maybe this will kind of answer your question in a roundabout way. If I, I'm not sure if I even understand the question, but I know that the theme of people not thinking from themselves sort of came through and, uh, you know, what I've seen is um, a particular, there's been a particular man or, or young man who's had extraordinary success online and he's gone to teach other people how to create the success for themselves, other people like him, and they've gone to teach other people like themselves, you know, and so on and so forth to the extent now that I, what I'm seeing online with, with coaches are these um, kind of, yeah, it's kind of like, yes, cookie cutter approach, but also it's not, it's not so much coaching, but teaching or saying how they think it should be. And, Hey, I've got this solution to this business problem. I've got this solution to that. And, and people, you're right. People are just not thinking for themselves anymore and, and gathering the resources that they've so probably painstakingly gathered in their life, you know, learning, taking this piece of information and learning that lesson and then, and then compiling those together uh, to create a unique solution that that fits them, um, you know. I don't know if that's what you were speaking to, but that's definitely something that I I have been seeing a lot lately, um, and I really try to try to encourage at least entrepreneurs as well, um, especially entrepreneurs, to to be creative and survey their surroundings and their environment and understand their resources and apply their creativity to create something that is going to bring about the solution uh, or the hope the hoped for solution that they're after yeah no i i definitely it was that's definitely one of the points that i was making so thank you for picking up on that and i i how do you help people with that creative gap how do you help them bridge that because i definitely think there's and, and when i'm saying the word creative there's you can be creative on how you solve a problem. You can be creative on how you deliver a product. There's the creative, I mean, in the broader stroke, I don't, I, I feel like there's a lack of ingenuity and creativity. That's not to say that there's not a whole bunch of smart people in the world, but I feel like they all fit into the same box or they see what somebody else has done and they're like, well, I have to do things this way instead of listening to their inner voice. I feel like people have a really good inner voice that they stifle. Mm. Um, I guess, well, partly just, you know, we have so much access to information <laughs> at our fingertips. So we want to figure out something we can just ask Google. Um, secondly, it may be a, it may be a lack of knowledge or knowledge of principles like foundational principles, um, you know, just, just going diving straight for the strategy um, without understanding the principles behind it, you know, things like value and leverage and scale. And um, yeah, I, I think possibly, think possibly those those two things and and maybe just not having um so much these days i'm assuming it doesn't go on like when i was when i was younger i would reach out to mentors who were where i wanted to be and i would take them out to lunch or coffee 
and we'd sit down and have conversations. Um, but these days it seems like everybody, like you have to pay for mentorship. Like the, my first ever mentor, he said, yes, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll mentor you on the proviso that when it's your turn and the student appears that you return the favor. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't know if so much of that is going on these days or these sort of inter, intergenerational conversations. Um, certainly we're not mixing with our, our seniors so much. Um, and those principles will be, they will cross generations. You know, they won't be specific to online coaching. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but if you can take those foundational understandings and apply them to whatever situation you're in, uh, then then they're kind of like the bones and then you can be so creative around those bones um, and still create a, a useful solution for yourself. I'm glad to hear that you like to, to, to pay it forward and that person did that. I, I am very fortunate that I've had a few great mentors in life that were um, willing to provide me assistance for free. And I, that's one key reason why I like to pay it forward when I do it. I don't, and I enjoy it. That's the other reason. It's those two reasons, but it's, I really do enjoy help, helping people. Uh, so I'm glad that, that I'm glad you had the privilege of being that experience. Now, if I could ask you a question, that mentor, was that mentor male or female? A male. I'm glad to hear that. Um, I also think, so I, I really, I really would like to see more women being mentored, not because that I feel like they need it more, but I feel like there's, what I've seen with some of my male colleagues is they're afraid to mentor a woman. I don't know why it's like they, you know, you guys uh, have, you know, some sort of fraught with danger. I don't know why, but um, I feel like there's a lack of that. And one thing that I like to do and I've done is um, I like to connect women that I know that can help each other. Uh, and I've seen lots of great success with, with them just connecting and helping and just helping them grow. Do you, I do you see that where you're at? Is there, is there a lack of mentorship for women or am I just in this like weird bubble? I could be in a bubble. I don't know. It, 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 it happens. Uh, um, so I don't, I think women are doing a really excellent job of connecting with each other and, um, you know, growing together, that kind of thing. There's a, you know, Facebook groups and, and, you know, local groups and everything are prevalent. I'm in this weird situation where, you know, I've kind of moved, I really want to work with men, you know, I've, I've worked with women and a lot of the people that I can most, most, most easily help are women, especially women who are just starting their entrepreneurial journey. Um, However, my own sort of personal evolution is, is working with men and I've always worked with men. Like I come from a background in hospitality as a chef. You know? So, mm -hmm. so I've worked um, and I, I've felt, I feel like I've always bumped up against this, 
this thing and maybe this is just my own belief and it'll be interesting to dive into this because I'm curious why your colleagues are frightened or hesitant to mentor a woman um, so I feel like I'm in this no man no man's land <laughs> for you know, I love the term there but this no man's land where it's like I, I don't I don't feel like I belong to the the group of women who are all sort of helping each other and 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 growing together and um, I but then when it comes to men um, I love coaching with men but I feel like I always feel a little bit less than I always feel a little bit like I have to be so much better than any other man around just to be seen or heard or have people um, feel that my contribution is equal to that of a man. Um, yeah. So I don't know if you want to dive into that, but that's like, maybe it's, maybe it's my own beliefs, but um, yeah, I don't know how that kind of comes about, whether it's actually real um, or not, but that's, that's certainly how I, how I feel. And I experience my, um, my entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial journey as well, sort of not wanting to reach out to the powerful women out there, you know, that could potentially help me move forwards, but rather than men, just because that's, it's just who I am and what I enjoy. Mm -hmm. Um, but then it feels like it's that much more of a difficult journey. I feel so I, I'm glad that you, you, you know, we're talking about this because what I've seen is that <clears throat> there are a bunch of us out there that like to mentor women to help them because we like to help everybody and we want to see everybody succeed. So it, it's not a matter of a gender. Uh, it's just a matter of helping somebody. And then there are some people who don't, that I've seen that just find mentoring women just fraught with many issues, whether it could be, you know, they can't be themselves, which if they're going to be a, you know, a, a misogynistic sexist idiot, then, you know, you shouldn't be mentoring anybody. You don't deserve to be. But at the same token, um, you know, they just don't know. It really boils down to just, they don't know, how to act and I don't know why and I'm being general there because I'm struggling to, to put it into words. Um, Do you think yeah. there's a just a lack of curiosity and courage? I think it's just a matter of like you know when you're when when you know you're around I think when when women are involved this is just my my perception when women are involved I think men are more perceptive to how things will be perceived in their feelings versus when they're dealing with another man, those go out the window and the male's feelings just don't matter. So the same message will be delivered in completely different ways. Mm. And as a default, they're just more likely to be um, less empathetic or sympathetic, depending on the situation about what they're saying, and they just say it more bluntly. I don't feel like that they can be true. I don't feel like they can portray their true selves if they're mentoring cross, cross gender. And you feel just, that or they feel that? I feel, that's what I see. That's my feeling about what I'm observing. I don't feel that. 
I mean, if, if, if a rock had feelings, if a, if a turtle walked up to me and could talk, I'd be like, I'd mentor the turtle. I don't, <laughs> I, you know, if, 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 if someone needs help, I will help. Do you think it, do you think it's a, um, a discomfort with, with exploring emotions? I think that has something to do with it because emotions are perceived as being weak when I don't really, that's not my perception on emotions. That's not my reality on emotions, but I think, um, I think there's a misconception out there that, that is portrayed, especially in the States. If you look at some of the presidential campaigns when women were run and how they were dragged through the mud based on, you know, oh, they're women, they're hyper-emotional, they can't, you know, whatever. That's, that's not the case um, that I've seen. Uh, you know, what is not portrayed equally is, you know, the person who, I'm just, all right, I'm just going to dive in. So let's just say that Angry tweets at 2 a.m. are an incredible emotional response, but why is that okay? Now, if that same person who is angry tweeting, uh, hopefully you know who I'm inferring without saying who I'm inferring. If no, I don't really follow Twitter. <laughs> that, well, so let's just say there's a certain president of a certain country who does angry tweets in the middle of the night. Right, okay. Are you with me yet? Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so let's just say that that person, if that president was a female, the backlash I feel, or my perception is, would be staggering. Like she would be perceived as an emotional wreck. But since it's this male president, he can do whatever he wants, and you know, yeah, he's being assertive or strong or whatever. And again, I'm painting a very broad brush, and all of my examples mm -hmm. here, Helen, just to paint a picture. I don't, you know, I, I mean, I have some examples, I have some personal experience, but I'm speaking in general terms just to make the point of what I think I'm seeing. And I, I like hearing that there's some cross-gender mentoring going on because the there's a double, uh, is it a double standard? Is that what I'm looking for? I think it's a double standard because if this president who tweets out crazy things was a woman, I feel like the backlash would be immense and overwhelming. Yeah. And, and perhaps, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's not just men who are creating this. Maybe women feel this as well. Maybe it's, you know, I, coming from a, coming from a, a background as a chef, you know, it's high pressure, it's, it's intense. It's a big, big workload. Um, you know, I'm talking like fine end restaurants as well. So, you know, the stakes are high and we want to do the best we can. And I'm just a crier, <laughs> you know, so and it's, it really is a superpower. I, I truly believe it is a superpower. Um, and I guess my team's just like, I would just train them. Like if I'm crying, it's fine. It's okay. It's just like, if you're a man, you'd get a bit angry. Um, I will be all right in a minute or two and it's okay. So I, I've just had to come to terms with my own non poker face. I have no poker face whatsoever. You know, if I'm feeling mm -hmm. something, it's out there on the table and, um, I suppose if I have had, you know, I'm thinking of one, the first mentor, life was good. Like every, my business was going so well. And so everything was good. There was no real emotion stuff, emotional stuff going on with that mentor. A subsequent mentor, I know he came in to, to see me when I was just like, you know, my hands are in my head. I was crying. This beautiful thing that I was trying to create was not working in the way that I had hoped. And it was costing me a whole ton of money. And 
I think men feel like they need to fix stuff, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and I feel like maybe they feel that things are worse than they really are. <laughs> you know, just cause I'm crying doesn't mean like the world is ending. It's just, it's just, I'm having a difficult moment, you know, and as entrepreneurs and as just as humans, we do difficult things and we have difficult moments. Um, so yeah, perhaps, perhaps women don't want to put men in that uncomfortable situation as well because I'm thinking of this particular mentor and I know he was uncomfortable and, <laughs> and it wasn't my intention you know um, to make him feel uncomfortable and he's probably like oh, do I need to give her a hug or da, 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 da. what is it um, I don't know I think we just need to be a bit more real with emotions in general and embrace them you know because I know you touched on uh, people getting you know why don't we speak more uh, what was it why why we don't discuss our, oh, my handwriting is terrible today. Why don't we discuss our issues, emotions, troubles, etc., in the workplace? Um, we really need to, you know, and when people are getting tr- triggered, it's because they haven't done the inner work. You know, when you've done the inner work and you've been through all those emotions yourself, it's like, it's like the, um, it's like the, the spray tanner that has seen like a billion gajillion naked women. <laughs> it's not like right. you're anything new when you have to strip off to, to have a spray tan. Not that I've had that many, but you know, when I got married, I did get one or, or the Brazilian waxer or whatever like that. Those, those pink bits as they are, those emotional vulnerabilities are just normal. Just, it's just, and it's no, there's no big deal around them. And I think, yeah, maybe if, if people aren't comfortable with those emotions, perhaps women aren't putting themselves in the way of male mentorship as well as men not offering themselves up for um, being a mentor for to females. Perhaps, I don't know, I'm just <laughs> guessing. Yeah, well, no, that's what we're, we're hypothesizing because yeah. neither one of us knows, but we have different experiences. Mm. different perceptions and realities. So that's why we're talking about them. And, and, you know, I, for one, I will say that if somebody's crying, um, I remember early on in my career, I really just didn't know what to do um, at all. You know, what was expected, you know, like you're thinking what the other person would be. So I would have very much been, um, paralyzed like the person you're talking about like back then you know but now the me now like if you were in front of me and you were crying about something I would ask you how I could help you I would I would try to have that conversation like you know I would I would literally be like Helen what do you need for me right now to help you through this moment and then you know I personally am not a physical toucher I don't really like it except with my wife that's you know like and my kids, like those are the three people in the world that I'll give a hug, but I'm not a hugger by nature. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't mean that like, I, I have friends that are like huggers and I, I know that about them. I put, <laughs> I put my own feelings aside to acquiesce to there. So they don't feel, um, they don't feel, um, can't think of the word. Why can't I think of the word? Um, rejected. But mm-hmm. So I would now, I would literally be asking you, like, how can I help you through this? You might say, David, it's okay. Just give me a minute. I'll work through it. And then we'll be, you know, back on track. And I'll be like, okay, I'm here for you. 
here's a tissue. Um, and then I would do my best not to stare at you so you don't feel awkward, you know. Um, but yeah, we got to stop feeling awkward when we cry. Geez, you know, even the all you need to do is just pass the tissues. <laughs> yeah, that's that's all. And it's and um, you know, I'm I'm thinking of a wonderful man. I, I bumped into him just the other day. Um, <laughs> oh, so the same project that that ended up collapsing at the beginning of oh, where is it? You know, this time last year it was all shut down, and I was like, oh, <laughs> damn it. You know, that thing didn't fly and it cost me a lot of money. It was a big passionate project of mine. It started off awesome and just, it just didn't get traction. And, um, anyway, I went to this, I went to this hackathon, um, because I'd been selected or, or our project had been selected as a potential, uh, project that all these developers, uh, would work on to help solve our problem that we were trying to, trying to solve. Um, it was a community, it was a community project, a nonprofit. And, um, and I had put my heart and soul into this thing. <laughs> I was working so hard, you know, just, I'm a hard worker anyway, but yeah, you know, just, you know, it was above and beyond anything that I've put into anything before in my life. And I was exhausted and I'd got through my day at the, at the particular project. And then I had to turn up for this hackathon and give a pitch and, and present, present our, our project. And, um, Anyway, I thought the pitch went well, but no one eventually, no one, none of the, none of the developers picked, picked our project. And, and at that point I just burst into tears. <laughs> you couldn't imagine a worse scenario, like all these uh, tech nerds, <laughs> this, this crying emotional woman. Um, so I kind of like excused myself and sort of went and hid around the corner, but um, now I'm going to cry. I'm, I'm crying because I'm thinking of this man's kindness and this, is why I got some tissues and I knew you wouldn't, you wouldn't mind. Um, and you know, he just, he just gave me a hug and, and that was okay. Cause he was, he was all right with it. And, you know, and then it, it leaves, you know, when you hug a crying woman and you're a man and you leave these two wet patches on your chest <laughs> and it's always a, a funny thing to have a bit of a laugh about, but, but I ran into him again the other day in the supermarket and he's like, Oh, are you Helen Flitcroft? Cause this is, this is probably about 18 months ago. Um, this particular incident. I was like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, you know, <laughs> he's like, how are you? I'm like, I'm, I'm great. I'm a little bit more stable than, <laughs> than last time we met. And he was like, you know, don't worry. Don't worry about that at all. And he said, you know, I've had plenty of moments like that myself. And I was like, hmm, you don't see too many men admitting to those moments. And I left that exchange wondering how often they actually occur. I know there was this one movie and I can't remember what it was, but it showed like the entrepreneurial ugly cry. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and I don't know how many men experience them, but I know as women, we do that all the time. And as mothers, we do that all the time. Um, and yeah, and I, I don't know. I was just left wondering, you know, how, how often it actually occurs and how, how often people, because I don't see that even in male clients often. Um, sometimes I do, uh, cause you know, we can touch on really, really deep stuff and it's always good. You know, it's always good when, when they have a cry and that stuff is released, but yeah, I just, I just was struck by the unique nature of this man who was quite a manly man with a, with a beard and the whole, he's got the whole beardy thing, masculine thing going on. Um, admitting to me that, you know, he's been in those positions himself and I was really, moved by that 
Yeah, that actually is quite a great admission. And I will say that, you know, just, I mean, gender roles, if we're going to go down that road real quick, like we, you know, as men, you're not allowed to be emotional or cry. Like the only emotions that are acceptable are, and to a certain degree, are like anger or, you know, like men are, you know, you're allowed to get angry and, you know, get into a scuffle or, you know, assert yourself and, or be a little blunt. And I'm, again, I'm painting a very broad stroke. I'm not condoning what I'm saying. I'm just saying like, you know, we're expected to do certain things. And in certain cultures, I know you're not allowed to do any of that. You have to be very stoic all the time. Um, but definitely what you're not allowed to do is you're not allowed to cry. Like real, real men, and I'm using air quotes, real men don't cry. They just, you're not allowed to. It's just not a thing you're allowed to do. And, and I don't Unless understand. Unless your dog dies. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't understand why. Um, I'm not a crier myself and I, I have to, I'll have to think about why, but I mean, it really um, takes a lot to push me there. Um, but I'm just not a crier. Like I really, I internalize quite a bit and I like to self-analyze. I, I can't even think of the last time that I cried, cried. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I'll shed a tear, like at an emotional moment, like, but just like one, but not like I ugly cry. I can't even remember the last time I like even like cried more than like had my eye water and that's pretty much it. Um, but that's just my personality. That's yeah, not to say that say I don't that. experience that's... the emotion or anything. Cause I do. I mean, I experience the emotions. I'm okay with, I'm okay with my emotions. I allow myself to feel them because I feel if I'm not feeling them, then I may as well be dead. I mean, we're given emotions. Yeah. Emotions are a gift, regardless of what they are. They're telling you something you can learn from them, but I'm very strange in that regard. I understand that, but, uh, well, that's okay. It's like, however we process our own emotions, as long as we're processing those emotions, I don't think it should matter. I don't think there should be any feeling like, oh, you should cry or like I should not cry. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just sort of understanding our, our own unique beauty and how we express ourselves in the world. And that's, I suppose, what we're touching on. And so long as you're just being perfectly beautifully David and I'm being perfectly beautifully Helen and, and this is how we express ourselves out in the world well yay for that high fives for that right I, no i i agree completely with that statement and you know uh, you're right i i process things the way that i process things you do and that, that's okay but in a general scale uh if we expand out beyond our our um our little circles that are that are across, uh, overlapping at this point if we expand out i don't think that people feel comfortable with that and i this is just my perception so when i say i feel it's my perception my perception is that i don't think that people feel comfortable with that number one number two um or i think that there are people who over well oversharing is different than expressing your emotions i suppose but i don't know why people don't feel like they can talk about things um I mean, I don't want to know every intimate detail about everybody's life, but if somebody's struggling with something, uh, more often than not, there's somebody else out there that who's been through it. They can help you through it. Like, okay, this is what I did. I, I get it. Or I don't know. I, I think I'm going down yeah. the wrong hole. I don't know. You never know. Um, yeah. 
I know as mothers and it probably, you can probably extend it to, to life in general. Like you have a baby and you know, things are, you've never, probably never experienced. Well, yeah, I can't say that, but you know, my own personal experience, a lot of the experiences that of the, the women that I've connected with since having children, uh, pretty much high functioning you know they can get through things and hold down a career and um and progress in their career and then finding themselves with a child and just locking themselves in the bathroom and having a complete meltdown um and then thinking that there's something wrong with them and that they're not coping until until they get you know until they get to you know a play center or or the equivalent where you have a bunch of young mothers together and sometimes it's inevitable all you need to do is look into somebody's eyes as they show up and you can tell <laughs> that it, things aren't easy and and then it all comes out and then you know people can just share their stories of you know, it is completely normal. Everything that you're going through, we've been through, we get it, uh, we understand it as well. So um, I don't I don't really know where I'm going with this either. <laughs> that's fine. You know, we get to that point and uh, that's where I was like five seconds ago. So I appreciate the fact that you ended up in the same spot. So I do want to okay. talk about, um, I will take that as, as a segue. And I'm glad you're, you're, you're talking about your, your, children because I have them um, you know I give my wife a, a lot of credit um, more than more than me she's she left her career and stayed home with them and she's now back to her career now that they're um, once they hit high school or you know upper education now they're both in college uh, well my daughter graduated college but yeah she went back to her her career which she's enjoying um, but yeah, she, I know she sacrificed quite a bit to to raise the little the little uh, uh, snot burglars, I guess. I don't know what else to call them. <laughs> but um, you know, so I, I appreciate what you're saying. Has so I want to talk about your like one of the other topics, and you've mentioned um, growing a business and some some pains that you went through. Do those overlap with the tough times in a marriage or is that two separate topics no they 100 percent overlapped absolutely in the world i exist in everything touches everything anyway mm -hmm. um definitely you know definitely i was bumping up against you know i thought you know i'd, I'd worked i'd worked hard i'd worked hard for 14 15 years in my career and and I was looking forward to taking some time off when I had my, my first child. And, and I did. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it very much. Um, we were in Brisbane, Australia at the time, so I'm Australian. And everything was perfect. Perfectly perfect. You know, I had a new baby in a beautiful community. We had moved from Perth to Brisbane and I'd done enough research and had enough knowledge to know that I really wanted to make sure that I was in a thriving community, that I could have access to um, community on foot, you know, that I didn't have to just get in the car because that's a whole other barrier just to get out when you just need to get out of the house. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I had created this beautiful world around me and everything was just beautiful. And then, um, and my husband ended up uh, losing his job and a bunch of other people uh, wasn't, wasn't his fault. He's a really great, a great worker and an asset to, to any company. Um, but yeah, that was what precipitated our eventual move to, 
Manuku, New Zealand. And the, the rift started to show sort of at that point as well, you know, I suppose he was a little bit unhappy not using his talents in the world and, and contributing to, you know, a, an external goal because he's so good at what he does. Um, and I suppose the crack started to show a little bit then, but then moving across to, moving across to New Zealand, and I had, I had seen a, um, it's a interesting story. I had seen a network marketing opportunity. So, so when I grew up, my parents were in Amway, um, right? So I got taken to all these events where I got to see people take themselves on and transform them, their lives. And, um, and, and it was incredibly inspiring. I loved going to those events. Um, but then I became a chef and I forgot all about that stuff. And then I had a child and then I saw this product and then I realized, and then I found out it was a network marketing opportunity. And I was like, Oh my God, that's right. Network marketing, people stepping out of their comfort zones, people transforming their lives, people dreaming, people, people being inspired and being motivated. And I was just like, yes, yes, this is what I'm going to do because I knew that, um, I knew that the model um, could, was good for time leverage, you know, and here I was, you know, um, with not a whole lot of time on my hands, but wanting to still create something. So I said a big yes to that. <laughs> and my husband said a big no. <laughs> and, oh man, you know, that was pretty much the first time in my life credit to my parents who've always told me I can do absolutely anything that I wanted to do that I've had anybody tell me that I couldn't do what I wanted to do and that my heart and soul was calling me uh, towards. So um, that the work, the nature of the work definitely was not difficult. That didn't, that, that was not hard. Um, but the, the type of work that I wanted to do and how my husband felt about that, um, that definitely caused a lot of rifts. And for three years we butted heads over that. And then eventually I um, decided to, to give that up for the sake of my marriage. I had a business, I'd set up a business, um, a cooking school back in Australia. Um, so when, when I decided that, you know, I just needed to, I, I'm not going to be able to go down that path that my marriage means more to me than, than that particular business. I set up, this cooking school again and it just has you know it takes a lot of work anyone who's an entrepreneur and is still in business or even if you're not in business knows just how difficult it is and anyone who's not actually been in those in that position um can't really understand the complexity of it just as if you've never been a parent and perhaps even a mother like even the experience of being a father to being a mother like you, you can't, if you haven't walked in those shoes, you can't pretend to know that you know exactly what that's like. Um, so yeah, anyone who has opened a business and, and run a business just knows the complexity of it and the time. It's really just a time, a time thing. And I put a post up on my Facebook yesterday or the day before, just as a conversation starter, um, you know, true or false, does it take money to make money? And, you know, there are a lot of people saying, oh, well, you either take, you either use money or you use time. And I was like, well, here we are. We're touching on the, the, the ultimate conundrum of the mumpreneur, especially when her children are young is how, how do I progress forwards when I seemingly have very little money? Um, 
depending on, I suppose, depends on the situation you find yourself in. But here in New Zealand, with the income that my husband's on, you know, I don't, I don't get any money from the government. So if I, if I want to invest into my business, I need to create that money, but I haven't got the time or much time. So how am I going to do that? Um, So, and yeah, and then of course my, when, when we got married, the understanding was, or the expectation and and I felt the same way that I would I would stay at home with the children and and look after the children and and cook the dinners and and everything and he would go out to work but I didn't know what that would be like I didn't know that I would be insanely bored and you know and now we're touching on the stuff that women do bump up against to say is it like how could you even say that you know that that you find looking after your children boring <laughs> um you know and i know that some people listening will be um perhaps casting judgment statements and others won't be as well and others will be sort of in the same boat too but definitely you know i've i had to and i think all mothers with young children who are also aspirational and feel like they just it's just my personality i need to feel in motion stagnation to me just drives me absolutely nuts and um women who and i i had to i had to make this decision and i I came to this decision and it was over a big pile of laundry and things were going terrible in my marriage at at that point as well because i was trying to be the good housewife and just look after the kids and do the laundry and everything this massive pile of laundry and I'm just like, this can't be all there is. Or and it wasn't that. It was like, if I stay on this trajectory, this is all there is going to be for me for the next 20 years or 15 years or whatever. And at that point, I, I was like, no, that's not me. That's not me expressing myself out in the world. And I know that my children are going to have a very hard time not becoming me, or at least my daughter. And we, we become our parents. Um, as much as we try not to, there are still aspects that we, you know, really have to work hard to overcome if we choose to. Of course, there's going to be wonderful, wonderful aspects of our parents that we want to keep. Uh, and I just had to, I had to make that decision. I'm like, I always consider, it sounds like a, it sounds like a selfish decision and it can appear to people as a selfish decision to pursue a career um, when you're a mother and um, but ultimately the alternative was just not being who I am and and embodying that and demonstrating that to my daughter so so I chose the path of entrepreneurship and to continue on that path despite you know the struggles and i think it's i think i think not going on that path is absolutely legitimate as well you know if if people find satisfaction um because people will people will pursue women will pursue an entrepreneur uh, an entrepreneurial journey because they feel they should as well because other people around them are and i would say it's absolutely absolutely legitimate to to say actually, you know, that's not for me right now, even though all their friends are and they might feel the certain certain pressure to to continue on that. Um, 
but yeah, but from my, from my husband's point of view as well, he, he felt that I wasn't living up to his expectations of me as a wife and a mother. Um, and that was really tough, you know, especially cause I felt like I've done a really good job so far actually bringing up my children and, and doing the research into what matters most for them. And, and although I have pursued a, a career as well, it's not been, they haven't, I haven't put them in childcare. I've managed to do it with having them at home and finding them the kindies that I've felt best help them to develop as a, as a human being. And, um, and we're seeing the benefits of that now, you know, I have two beautiful children and, um, they're doing well at school. They're thriving. So everything, everything externally tells me that, yeah, Helen, Helen, you did a good job, but then to have, have my husband at the time saying, well, you're not, <laughs> you're not coping, you know, just, just focus on the children is it, tough, you know, because that's not where my happiness is. And then, and then, and then the, the struggle and we're in a really good place now. Like, you know, we, we persisted and I'm so glad. Um, but it felt like, it felt like my happiness was second fiddle and that, that didn't matter. And then it felt like that on a wider, a wider perspective. Like if you could give me a magic wand and I could just wave that magic wand and fix one thing on our planet, it would be around urban design and how we facilitate women connecting with women to have the support they need when they need it um, in an open and transparent way and also their multi-generational interactions as well because at the moment yeah we're all just separated and it's not serving us very well so uh, a long answer to your to your question um but yes <laughs> definitely definitely sort of the marriage struggles and the being an in, uh, an aspirational driven woman uh inter intersected oh definitely it sounds like it i mean which well sounds like it it is because you said that um i have so many thoughts so i'll just that's why you're hearing me scatterbrained so one i just want to clarify that uh it's clear to all of us that listen to that, that you love your children and that um, watching my own wife, I can, and all the other stay at home moms, uh, it's a tough job and it is a job and it's very taxing. However, I think one of the key things that you said was there's some monotony there and I can, I fully understand how that would be boring in that sense. Um, I get it. I, I've not lived it. I mean, and if we had the chance, I would have stayed home with the kids and my wife would have worked. I was not a, I was more than happy to, to do that. In fact, when we were, we, we've been married forever. Uh, quite literally, we got married right out of university. Um, so we're both 22 years old and we knew we wanted to start a family and have a family young. So when the kids were uh, in college like they are now, we were young enough to enjoy the empty nest stage because there's so much time left after the kids leave yeah. for us to enjoy life. Um, so those were decisions we made. And I'm not saying they're better than others. They're just our decisions. So, you know, um, 
and I, you know, I, I, and her choice, uh, you know, I, we made a pact. Whoever made more money had to continue working. The other one would stay home with the kids. And at the time I was making more money than her. Uh, so I had to work. She got to stay home. Uh, but there were times early on that she made more money than me. Um, and no, if anybody's listening, I was never threatened by that. And, um, at all. <laughs> so, um, I was more than happy to uh, have her be successful. I, I, I take great joy from her success, uh, not threatened by her success. But anyway, um, I feel like I overmade that point for whatever reason. Um, but no, I understand what you're saying. And I'm glad that you worked through that and you're in the place that you're at now because I don't, I, I mean, we all have these relationship conversations. Um, well, actually, that's not true. I think my perception again, that we would be in a better place if we were able to have a conversation with our partners like you had with yours. And, you know, my wife and I, we've always had a very like speak your mind relationship. You know, I may not like what you have to say, but I need to hear it. Um, there's no judgment. Well, I don't know. She's probably, actually she's pretty judgy, but I still love her anyway. Um, <laughs> But, you know, we, we have an incredibly open line of communication. And I don't think that people are have that. They enjoy that because, and this is just a theory that I've been thinking about lately for very strange reasons. But um, I feel like people, when they meet their future partner, they want to put their ideal self forward so they can attract a mate uh, and, and a partner. And it's hard to live up to that ideal all the time instead of like lowering your garden, really being who your true self is and being loved for who you really are, your love for that ideal person. And I think that's where we go wrong. I could be wrong on it. This, like, this is a Davidism. I could be way off base, but I feel that, you know, my perception is that, you know, perhaps that there's the ideal self and then the actual self and there's strife there when you don't let your real self through and again i think that goes into what we just talked about earlier in our conversation about being in the workplace and i think tying the two together solidifies what i couldn't say earlier is that emotions and all that stuff are part of who we really are but we stifle that real person don't we all the time we're trying to be the perfect person it's tiring yeah and 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 also you know, when I was saying it was boring as well, I'm trying to think of that. Yes, kind of boring, but it, it's, it was, it was more than that. It was, it was, there's more to me. Like I'm, I'm, I, I want to express myself out in the world. There's an evolution of, of my being that I'm being called to and, and um, feeling, feeling kept from that. And speaking to your point about, um, presenting our best self when we meet a particular partner. I think I think we all do that a little bit as well. Um, but as you were saying that, I was thinking back over what it was what was it like for me, and was I to what extent was I doing that myself? Um, probably a little bit, but also that person, that version of me, is not the same version I am now. Mm -hmm. You know, Very so. True. Yeah, absolutely. So, so my poor husband <laughs> had to like marry this one person who, who was in a job and, 
had a nice, nice stable income and, and everything was good. And, and she, she evolved into this driven entrepreneurial aspirational creature. <laughs> like, what is this? Who is this person? And, and he didn't, he didn't experience that person really. Cause I suppose all of that energy was just being um, directed into uh, being a chef in hospitality because it's pretty intense. So once that was gone, I suppose it all came out, <laughs> you know, and, and how to how to navigate that, um, you know, because I think I think we yeah we're all evolving all the time. Oh, we we are, definitely are, and it's it's awesome uh, when we can evolve together. And I'm not saying uh, any disrespect of anybody who's who's divorced out there it's okay. You didn't evolve together. That's fine. You'll, you know, that's, that's your journey. I'm not here to judge your journey. I'm just saying what mine is. And, you know, we've been through quite a bit, um, you know, my wife and I, and, and you know, I'm not saying it's all sunshine and roses, uh, but it's not been bad at all. And I couldn't look back at anything together and say that we had anything really bad. We've been through some tough times. Um, probably, more than than most people um, have experienced, especially at our young age. Um, but that's a that's a reflection of a different conversation um, that I've talked about on the show before, Helen. My audience doesn't want to hear about my health problems <laughs> again. Trust me. But uh, you know that that takes a toll. But you know we're we're good. But we've always been able to be who we are and then continue, like you said, to evolve because the person that I am now is definitely not who was married. I mean, so if I look back, if I think back just to the marriage ceremony itself, like I am an introvert. I am a textbook, highly introverted person. So the idea, even knowing that my wife being the bride is the center of attention at our wedding and I'm just a side thought was still, I wasn't anxious or nervous about getting married. There was no doubt in my mind, even at 22, even now. And by the way, we've been married multiple times. I like saying that to people like, well, how many times have you been married? And I can, I can say two. And you know, it's just to the same woman because we re, I like, we write, she's refused me for the third time. Like she won't do it, but I almost got her because we were just on a road trip. And we were going through Nashville and I was like, or we were in Memphis and I was like, let's get married by Elvis in Memphis. She was like, she thought about it. So there was almost a third. Um, there'll be a third, Helen, mark my words. Um, I believe you. <laughs> hopefully she does too. Um, but anyway, I forgot what I was saying because now I'm just laughing at myself. Talking about I, the ceremony. Yes. Oh, so I did not want, I just did not want to be up there. I didn't want anybody looking at me. I didn't want, like, I mean, it was like being the center of attention back then was like mortifying to me in any way, shape or form. Even being associated with the person who's getting the attention was just something that just was terrifying. But now today, I mean, I, I am the first one, like if you know, there's an opportunity. I'm grabbing the mic. I'm on the stage in front of uh, thousands of people talking about whatever. I don't even care. I'll just, I just get up there. That's, that's the difference in, you know, 30 years, I suppose, 20, 20, 20 plus years, not really 30 yet, but 
Uh, so I agree with you that we change, we evolve. That was a really wrong way to agree with you. Hopefully you enjoyed that ride. It was a bumpy ride, but hopefully, you know, hopefully you enjoyed that one. Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think we do. Yeah. You know what it's for me anyway. Um, if I hadn't, if I hadn't met Dave, there's no way that I would have, I wouldn't be this version of myself now though, despite how bumpy that ride was, um, you know, parenthood, marriage, all these entrepreneurship, they, um, they really test us to the, the depths of our being and we become more of it because of that as well. And I'm so grateful, you know, despite, you know, and, and I was, you know, when we talk about the, the struggles that we had, they didn't start improving until I realized that I was pretty much creating them myself, you know, and taking full responsibility for, um, you know, for my actions and my thoughts and my beliefs and my perceptions, you know, and, and when I started really looking at those and unpacking those, then I realized, well, what an, what an unfair wife I had been. And, um, this was, this was my journey, um, internally. And for anyone who's out there listening, uh, who, uh, I suppose in that, that position where they feel like the person they're living with now is not the person that they married um, and that you've grown apart and you feel like you're directing that energy, that negative energy towards the other person, it's, it's not the path. <laughs> the path is to look at ourselves, you know, once... And it won't seem real. Like it'll seem like it'll seem so real that, you know, the other person has changed and it's their fault and da da da. da. And I was in that position. I was I was blaming Dave for everything <laughs> until I until I actually shone the torch back on myself and um yeah, realized that actually, you know, I was playing a very, very big role in in creating this rift and um in in sorting that stuff out, my side of the street out, lo and behold you know, here we are in a really, a really cool place at the moment, which is, I was just reflecting on it um, just yesterday. It was, it's almost like, like back when we were just married or even before we were married, you know, it's just that, that fun, flirty, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, feel good, feel good place where, yeah, it's not heavy and there's not all these issues and it's yeah, just nice. That's great to hear. Um, and I'm glad you're there. But there's one key thing, and I've talked about this on the show a lot, is that I want people to understand that it's relationships take work. I think what, I, what I've come across, and, and there's been several themes um, or several conversations on the show about how, like, you know, relationships can go and fail and, you know, whatnot, but there, or people perceive, like, the, the, people who have been married for 50 years, like it was all just easy. Oh, they just got lucky. No, they worked at it. It takes work. It's not easy. I mean, anything good in life is not easy. It takes work to get there. The entrepreneur who has three successful businesses, they work their butt off. You have no idea what it's like for them to run those businesses. You only perceive that it's a great life. They could be miserable and have three successful businesses. You don't know. Mm -hmm. You're seeing what they want you to see or what you, you are, you want to see what you want to see. 
And when it comes to relationships, it takes a lot of work. Helen, you and Dave went through a lot of stuff, but you're in a great place because you were willing to do the work, put it in, do the practice. You were willing to do that with an open mind and an open heart. And look where you are now. Yeah, absolutely. And hope. Hope. I don't think we talk about hope enough. Um, you know, sometimes, sometimes with a client, <laughs> um, especially, especially mums, you know, because I work a lot with mums and who are thinking about going into business or, or, or they've been, or we're, they're talking to me about relationship stuff and they don't even know that they can dream. Like they don't even know that they could open themselves up to possibility. And I know like as a coach, like if, if I can just, just get that little spark of hope, you know, that's all I need. That's all I need. Like just that little, the little flame, the little flicker of hope that that in itself can be enough to create eventually, you know, the, the burning fire that, that moves person, a person from one place to another place. Um, and, and that, that's really what, what it was is like having the hope that there's still, there's still potential and holding the vision. Like this is the stuff that, that I, I, I work with. I'm a success coach, but not just for entrepreneurs, like the, the principles of success are applicable in all areas of life and, and creating that vision. What is that vision, that inspiring vision and how does that feel and, and getting in touch with that and creating those, what I would call kind of future memories are the things that kind of pull you forwards through the tough times and through the dips and through the, the metaphorical punch in the faces, you know, to, to pull yourself back up bloodied and battered but determined you know mm -hmm. to move forwards a little bit and then face plant again and then get back up and and move forwards and it's who you become in the process that is such a um well a it's who you become which is probably the ultimate goal rather than the end goal but then you know you can find yourself in such a beautiful place on the other side of struggle um, oh, you absolutely can. And you do. I agree. Like hope. Um, hope is a very, very strong, strong motivator. Um, and it's a, it's a strong thought process and emotion to have. It's a theme in several popular books and movies. And, and it's that way for a reason, I believe, because it's very strong. Um, and it's hard to overcome. I think so many people are afraid to hope, though, because to hope means also that, well, you might not achieve, I suppose, or the thing might not come about. Um, I see so many people afraid, yeah, afraid to dream, afraid to hope. Um, and it's a shame. <laughs> that is a shame. I mean, what's, I guess I understand it. Um, maybe they don't know how to deal with disappointment, but like you said, you, you're going to try something. You're going to fail. It's about what you do to that, that reaction. Um, and I guess it's how you also measure re success, right? So is the end game the success or is the success because like you failed at something you picked yourself back up and you're trying again. See, that's to me, that's where the success is, 
it's in that moment of picking yourself up, dusting yourself off and getting back in there and fighting it out. Um, yeah, if you're a fighter, but I think, I think success is just a general, a broad general satisfaction with how your life is going. And, you know, even, even if it's tough, like it's, I don't, I don't know. It's, you know, there's a couple of areas that I like to measure how people are feeling in their life around different themes. But I find that when people are feeling generally satisfied across those areas that they're feeling successful, success is a feeling, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah. it and, is. and absolutely. I, I definitely come across clients that have got all the money in the world and yet when it comes to fulfillment, they're not, they're not feeling fulfilled and they don't feel successful because because they're not feeling fulfilled in these particular areas of life. So um, yeah, it's all, it's all perception. And mm-hmm. also the it thing is. about hope I wanted to just touch on if it's sure. all right, yeah, is please. believing, believing and investing like so much truth into how things appear to you. Like you don't hope because the situation is hopeless because the world is telling you all of this stuff and you invest you invest this kind of like your energy into the truth of that, but don't, <laughs> mm-hmm. don't, you got to leave space for grace. You have to leave space for grace and doesn't matter what the world is telling you and what seems real, what seems so real to you. Um, don't let that snuff out the hope ever. I agree. I, I don't, I want, I, yeah, I agree. I don't want people to have their hope ever snuffed out. I want them to be, I, mean, I feel like we need something to look forward to. Um, and hope is that, I don't know, I probably, that's just the way I think. Like hope gives you something to believe in, something to look forward to, something better and bigger. Um, but I'm always the type of person that's looking for the what ne- what's next. Not necessarily, um, I think I'm a little bit like you in that regard that the way you described it resonated with me. Um, and I don't mean like what's next because I'm onto the shiny object. I just like, what is the next step? What's the next evolution? What more could I be doing? What more do I want to do? What more could I take on? And believe me, sometimes I take on too much and I have to pare things down. Uh, like for example, Uh, I'll be going on a trip soon and I will be ending this season of the podcast for several weeks while I'm traveling around um, the world. And I'm not sure if I'm going to pick it back up next season uh, or if uh, I might, I might not. Um, Ideally what I'd like to happen. And if anybody's interested, contact me because I would like to hand the, the mantle of the podcast over to somebody else to talk about their perceptions and, you know, have somebody else maybe do it. I think that would be great to see the podcast evolve uh, in a different way. So maybe I can go do something else. Um, I don't know. These are just thoughts, but you know, each one of those is like hopeful. I'm hopeful somebody might take on uh, the podcast for me and, and keep it going and talk about the different perceptions in the world and the realities and how to bridge them and how to keep your mind open to learning new things and, maybe change your opinion, not yours, Helen, but you know, the bigger you, um, 
or but I'm also hopeful about what am I going to do next? I don't know yet, but it's going to be fun no matter what it is. Um, but anyway, isn't that the sweet spot? That's the sweetest spot I think of just the creative that creative space. Like what could be? Imagine if. How would I like this to look like? Um, you know, and and basing that not on how things are necessarily in reality or whatever. It's just it's just like it's like a child playing, isn't it? Like what could I do now? Mm -hmm. You know? Yes. I built this sand castle and smashed it down and now now what? What's where's my curiosity leading me? Right. And and you know, some people have talked to me about, well, you know, David, your podcast is her old heard in many different countries now you've got a pretty large audience you have an incredibly long podcast like one of the longest ones out there like the episodes go forever and my audience thank you all for listening by the way because i haven't um said that yet but they will listen to you know half an hour here half an hour there but like through the course of the week they'll listen to the whole thing they'll come back to it which I find completely awesome. So there's a lot of good stats there. And they're like, well, why would you leave it at its height? And I'm like, well, it's not that I'm abandoning it because it's successful or I'm afraid of more success or, you know, I'm afraid that it'll just fail. I mean, I never started it out to even think it would be successful. The fact that one person listens is staggering to me. The fact that they all listen is even like, it's kind of overwhelming. But for me, I had set an initial goal. I only wanted to do it a year. It's been a year. I wanted to learn certain things and I wanted to express certain thoughts. I've done everything that I've set out to do. And that for me, personally, I think it would be awesome if somebody else took this concept and put their spin on it, but still kept it going and, and took it even to that next level. Um, but there are other things that I want to do. That's why I set the year goal to do it. And it's been longer. So not that I'm complaining about that. I've been having fun. And I might still come back and decide when I've had my uh, time to process things in my downtime uh, when my wife and I are traveling here soon. I might come back to it. I don't know. But it's all good. There's lots of good possibilities. There's lots of things to be hopeful for. You know, there's fun, I guess. But Absolutely. And I think it's one of the greatest joys the greatest joy to be on on the path of self-expression and um as a coach you know i'm i'm not a i don't know I, i'm a success coach so i'm not a typical business coach so a typical business coach without trying to fix your business but you know i'm interested in like well are we even barking up the right tree here are you in the right business to start with um you know what is it that you really want to do what is the path you really want to be on and yeah, because uh, because that like that's the ultimate. That's just the joy is is finding out who you are, and then just putting that out in the world. I think anyway. Um, you can you can tell probably by my voice like how passionate I am about that, and how like imagine what it would be like for you. And I can see that you've got the courage to, to do this, but you know, you've, you've got this thing inside of you that's calling you to, to be more and do more. Um, and I experienced with this as a, this as a chef as well, like, like, Oh my God, you're like such a, such a well-known chef and da 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 da. And I'm like, well, I want to be a coach. <laughs> I'm like, why would you want to do that when everything's so successful? Da, da, da. Um, but 
to 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 not feed that longing inside of you that desire to grow and express and to not feed that like ah oh, it it's just i don't know to me it would just be sort of this constant this constant niggle mm-hmm. it's a constant pain mm-hmm. you know um so i love yep. i love hearing that you're thinking of new horizons and um, and in that sort of creative space and open to possibility. And I think it's such a cool place to be in. Oh, I'm definitely open to possibility no matter what. Uh, always open to possibility. So, that, yeah, and that, again, you know, I could possibly keep going. I could possibly stop. Um, hopefully uh, somebody else will take up the... Uh, the charge because I would like to see it continue but I'm very like optimistic and hopeful that somebody will continue because I, I I'd like to see uh I'd like to see what somebody else does with it you know it's this keeping the same topic and format everything but having a different person driving the show will get different results and that's what excites me mm. like I would like to see the show switch hosts keep going but switch hosts several times over its lifespan but we'll see That'd if that happens. Cool. Yeah, we'll I, see. We'll see. We'll stay tuned. So, Helen, where yeah. can people find you when they want to get a hold of you? I forgot to ask you up front in the beginning. Usually, I like to get that out of the way, but I just kind of jumped right oh, in. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. So, you could just reach me. Um, I'm having trouble with my website at the moment, so I'll just give you my Facebook profile link. Um, Helen Flickcroft. I think it's like Helen Flickcroft Nine or something like that. Um, I'm not sure if there's show notes, but I suppose we could we could pop yep. a link in the show notes, but just, just Helen Flickcroft and it'll say like transformational success coach at, at stellar humans, which is my company. Um, that's probably the best, the best way to reach out. Otherwise we have a cool little Facebook group uh, called league of champions, which is nothing. It's not champions league. It's nothing about football. <laughs> we keep getting like membership requests and like, isn't this about champions league football? No, no, it's not. Um, it's League of Champions on Facebook as well. And um, it's a free success coaching group. So, you know, we've got a multiple, we've got multiple coaches there from different disciplines and um, we just kind of put our stuff in that group and help people move forwards with whatever it is that they're, whatever success means for them. You know, we're not mm-hmm. talking money. We've, right. You know, we've got one beautiful client who just, success for her, a recent, a recent win for her is that she had this form of, um, arthritis and she used to love to crochet and now she's been crocheting granny blankets again you know this this hobby that she gets so much pleasure from you know so it doesn't matter what success means to a person um but yeah we like to help people on their journey in that group so that's another another place you could find me if you wanted to great maybe i'll have to pop in there Mm, we'd love to see you That, that that could be fun um well, great. So everybody, you know how to get a hold of Helen, and I'm going to mention it again. You guys know how to get a hold of me. It's pirpodcast at gmail.com or pirpodcast on Instagram or on Facebook uh, or across all social media. It's pretty much if it's pirpodcast, it's me. But if you feel uh, frisky and you want to call me, it's country code one five eight five. Two one zero zero two four zero. As always, that's the voicemail line. You can leave me a voicemail. 
if you don't want to be on the air or you don't want your voicemail on the air, you can definitely, I will respect that. Just say, hey, don't put it on. Or if you want, if you don't say that, maybe it will, maybe it won't. I haven't used any of the voicemails on air yet, um, but it has helped the dialogue behind the scenes. Uh, you know who you are. You're welcome to be a guest. All of you that have left me voicemails, I would love to talk to you on air. Um, although we're running out of time because I'm leaving uh, on my holiday soon. So uh, as they say, the ball is in your court for that. So those are the ways to contact me. You know how to contact Helen. Helen, thanks for being on today. Did we cover everything that you wanted to cover today? Did we, how did I do? I know that that was, I was a little sketchy there for, you know, like I feel like I was out of sorts, but I guess that's what happens when you take a couple weeks off. You're, you know, I, I wasn't, uh, I don't feel like I, my perception of my performance today, I felt like I was a little rusty. So I'm sorry <laughs> you had to witness that. That's okay. I, my perception of my performance was that I was a little rusty. So maybe we co-created our rustiness together and it's fine. I think, you know, on that note, when, sometimes we're not, we're not, we're not in full and finest form, but if we're, speaking from the heart and we are our true selves and we are actually on our path uh, we have to trust that just showing up and speaking sometimes will just be enough and not to really judge on ourselves too much or should on ourselves too much so hey you know we weren't or I was not at my most eloquent and I guess you feel like you weren't either but that's okay and perhaps we've inspired other people who feel like they are not the most um, eloquent of speakers um, to speak up anyhow, because, you know, we don't always do a perfect job of it. So. No, we really yeah. don't. And that's, that's, yeah, I agree with you. It's 100% okay. Um, but I will tell you that your perception is of yourself is incorrect. You were an awesome, <laughs> awesome, awesome guest that was very willing to open herself up. And I sincerely appreciate that. Uh, I really do because that's one of the reasons that I feel like the podcast has been so successful is because people come on the show and they're so willing to be open and vulnerable and uh, Brene Brown, I talk about her a lot. She's a fellow Houstonian. So obviously we're best friends. I haven't, I've never met her and I'm really, Brene, <laughs> if you're listening, I don't stalk you, I swear. Um, but I do appreciate what you do. She did a great Ted talk about being vulnerable. And so I appreciate and yes the willingness that that all the guests come on and people who listen respond well to that and you know thank you thank you for your time today i know that we uh, took us a little bit to get here because of the time zones um, you're a few hours ahead of us here i i think it's 4 39 p.m central time so it's, is it tomorrow there? It's not tomorrow. It is. There. We it get is out of the future. Yeah, yeah it's you're, like 11.39. Yeah, you're a day ahead, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So you're, are you 14 hours ahead, 15? Uh, it's 11.39 a.m. Whoever wants to do the maths. Yeah, I don't like to do math in public. That's why I was hoping <laughs> you would pull that up, but that's fine. Uh, Worldtimebuddy.com. There you go, everyone. Exactly. There you go. Look it up. Figure it out yourselves. Neither Helen nor David like to do math in public. So there you go. <laughs> um, so thank you for being on and being uh, very awesome and everyone thanks for listening
to another episode. And I think there will be three or four more episodes before I leave. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what life brings. Um, and then we'll be at the end of the season, season two. So thanks for hanging in there. And thank you very much. You are so welcome. <laughs>